coming to get you, Barbara. Oh, that's creepy. <laughs> I love it, though. Now me, I not only drink really, I really drink. We are Buzz on Movies. Love me some Charles Shaw. It's the nicest wine there is. Shout out to Charles Shaw. Um, if you're looking for a wine, that is one. Charles uh, Shaw, if you want to sponsor our podcast. We're open to it. Uh, <laughs> welcome to Buzzed On Movies. Um, I'm Teddy. I'm Matt. And um, here at Buzzed On Movies, we're basically just like those guys that you always see hanging around the theater bar after the show. Always want to talk to you. Sometimes you're into it, sometimes you're not, but um, we're always super into it. So we're here to talk to you about what we've seen recently and get super excited about it. All right. Well, what have you seen recently, Teddy? So um, this week we didn't really have a lot of time for movies. Um, even even the super movie fans get uh, held back by life sometimes. Um, it's funny. This was- yeah. You think of uh, Thanksgiving, I mean, having worked in movie theaters, it's one of the busiest weekends you get, right? Oh, God, yeah. But when you're, I don't understand it, as a moviegoer and a human who lives in everyday life, Thanksgiving weekend, I had no time for that. None. When was I going to go see a movie? I didn't even think about that. Like, yeah, that was pretty much one of the worst times to be working in a movie theater. Um, well, the holidays in general, but yeah, um, Thanksgiving and Black Friday, we'd always get just absolutely mobbed. And it's horrifying. Um, first of all, like I've got too much else going on over the holidays to want to go to the movies, like hanging out with family and um, just you know eating turkey, watching the parade, sleeping. Uh, the last thing I want to do is go to a movie theater, especially when I know exactly how crowded it gets. It's crazy. Yeah, I would never want to go. I mean, you're right that a part of that is because I just know how crowded it is. But in general, I don't know. That's just not, never something my family did. But working at a movie theater, you'd see full families come in all the time. Yeah, uh, uh, absolutely. And you'd be lines around the block waiting to get yeah. in. Crazy. But that said, neither of us, I think, uh, saw a ton of movies since yeah. we uh, last spoke with y'all. Um, I know I haven't really gotten out to the theater much. I've mostly been hanging out at home, uh, maybe watching some football. But I did watch some movies on like Netflix, so I think that counts. Yeah, yeah, Netflix is good too. I did make it out to the theaters on Sunday of this long weekend, and I saw Boy Erased, um, which I liked quite a bit. But other than that, um, it's been home watching with Netflix and um, just spending time with family. So uh, I had also seen Boy Erased. Um, so yeah, I I saw it a couple weeks ago, not quite as recently, but I remember it pretty vividly. Uh, I liked it as well. I thought it was a really great film, personally. Yeah, I I, um, I had heard that it was a good movie. I, uh, I didn't know really a lot about the background of the movie, except that it was going to be about um, like gay conversion camps. Um, and I, for example, I didn't even know that it was based on a true story until, um, we got to the end of the movie, um, which was a surprise, but a bit of a pleasant one. Um, good to know that like a, a real story like that is, uh, just as real as it seems on the screen. 
And yeah, um, yeah I liked it quite a bit. Yeah, uh, I thought it was good. I did know it was a true story. Um, I had read the the memoir by Gerard Conley um, a while ago, and I really, really liked the the book. I think it's a really great story. Um, I mean, it's fairly similar to the movie. Uh, the plot doesn't deviate too much. Uh, there are some changes, especially towards the end of the film. But for the most part, it's pretty, pretty close, um, especially at least in spirit. You know, the the concept is all all on board. The themes are right there. Um, yeah, so I'd been looking forward to it for a while because I had read the book and just it's a com- it's a topic that inst- interests me. So, yeah, so to sort of sum up the movie, um, Jared Amons, who is um, sort of the, the fictional version of um the, Gerard the book's author, uh, Gerard Conley. Um, he's uh, a young man, uh, just entered college, basically, um, who um, is secretly gay, um, just starting to come to terms with the feelings that he has himself, um, and um, living in a fairly conservative family uh, with um, a father who's a Baptist preacher. It's about his family discovering uh, his gayness and sending him to this gay conversion camp and um, just all the things that go on there and his struggles dealing with it. Right. So a lot of the film uh, is structured in such a way that you sort of alternate between this sort of present timeline where he's at these camps where they are trying to quote unquote, pray the gay away and then flashing back to the past in his life that led up to him getting to this point. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, You see a lot of his time with his family at home uh, in Alabama, which I mean, obviously must've been a terrible place to grow up as a young gay man in that time. Um, I mean, it would be even now I assume, but you know, even 10 years ago, um, it would be vastly different than it is now. The structure is an interesting, I don't know the way the movie decided to sort of alternate directly like that you get a lot of um it's very episodic i felt you would see like a segment um and then never really revisit that concept again for a lot of the movie which i thought was an interesting way to frame it um the book does a lot of the same thing you'd get a chapter where it's the past and then a chapter where it's the present and then back and forth like that but he since the book is so internally told you know it's all through the same author so he's telling you his thoughts he references these events all the time whereas the movie you'll get a segment um such as and you know spoiler alert we haven't said that so far um the segment where joe alwyn's character uh you know sexually assaults and rapes him um and then you never really hear about it again it just sort of like it's like sort of like casually referenced or quietly referenced but it's not like a big thing anymore um so it's an interesting way to structure it, I think. Um, right. Yeah, I, I, I like the flashback structure. Um, I especially liked when he um, he was doing some of these flashbacks as sort of a, a moral inventory, as he said, of um, that they were requiring him to um, look back on his sins and um, where he had uh, strayed from the path of morality. And um, so each of those uh incidents that he writes down in his journal you get to see um the flashback that corresponds with that and i thought that was a pretty effective way of showing how those memories were brought up in this um 
in this program. I completely agree. I didn't mean to mean it as an or state that it was a negative. First of all, to clarify, um, oh yeah, I thought uh, I really liked the way they did it and the way what you mentioned there with the moral inventory. Um, the the conversion therapy camp um, had this uh, for listeners had this concept where they would have their their I don't know camp attendees list everything that they thought was wrong that they had done basically anything that was like same sex attracted quote unquote yeah um they had to list here um and it was sort of disturbing and disgusting and um one of the things that uh jared struggles with is this sexual encounter with a man um that of course was not something that jared wanted it was um, it was a rape um and i think um it's one of the most powerful parts of the movie when he realizes you know early on he places that on his moral inventory as something he did wrong Mm -hmm. later on in the movie he takes it off um and i think that is one of the most powerful moments at least for me personally um was just him deciding no that's not something that i did wrong that um you know and he says as much to the um the leader of the conversion therapy program um and he's basically put on the spot as each one of them is done in turn um, to give an accounting of his supposed sins. And he does mention um, a consensual encounter that he had in college um, with a man who he basically just lies in bed with and they hold hands and that's it. But he won't take responsibility for the time that he was raped and he refuses to do so even when the uh, the leader of the program pushes him uh on that specific point he says um that's not my sin that's not on me and i i did think that was a really powerful moment there and it definitely was um one of the standout moments for lucas hedges uh the actor who portrays jared um he he really put everything into that moment and I thought it came across really well. Yeah, I mean, and that's saying that as somebody as I mean Lucas Hedges just had a movie of standout moments with mm-hmm. Boy Raced. The whole thing. Yeah. Um he's phenomenal. Um it I don't want to say he carries the film, uh, but he is a huge part of why this film works as well as it does. If it had been very many other actors, it would not have worked. Um he was excellent throughout. Uh, but yeah, particularly in that scene, it's devastating to watch a lot of his performances, but uh, him coming to terms with that, that is pretty, um, pretty impressive to watch. Yeah. I mean, a lot of this movie is just brutal at times. Like you see this program um, and you see the toll that it has on these young men and women. And even though like a, a lot of the complaints online that this film is that like they don't really delve into the real horrors that some of these camps and programs have with like actual physical torture and um, electroshock therapy and stuff like that and um like at first i thought maybe it was a little light in terms of what actually happened like there is um a scene where um a young man is like pushed underwater in a bathtub um but there's not like a lot of physical abuse in this movie but it it was based on gerard conley's actual experience um so i think they they tried not to add too much to that to to try to keep it 
accurate to what he experienced, but the the psychological impact of what um, he experienced and of what's shown in the movie is truly um, gruesome. And you can feel that even just watching the movie, like just having these um, these ideas just drilled into you that like what you're doing is wrong. Like um, it, you're going against God. Like you have to, the only way to fix yourself is to listen to what we're telling you to do. Um, and like, there are definitely parts in the movie where it just, it feels like, um, like you're just surrounded, like that, um, that these people just fill your life and that you're, you don't have control. Yeah. I, um, I think about the part in the movie where, uh, Jared goes to the bathroom and, um, one of the leaders of the camp walks in and tells him that he's not allowed to go to the bathroom alone yeah. and stands there um, watching him use the bathroom, which of course, I mean, anybody can tell you that if somebody's watching you, you're not going to be able to pee. That's, I mean, <laughs> yeah. that's not going to happen. Um, yeah, and they make note <laughs> so of that too. Incredibly uncomfortable moment. Um, and I mean, there are many other, horrible dark moments in the movie um you know as you mentioned the part where they're dunking the kid in the bathtub is pretty surreal mm -hmm. and horrifying to watch um but i keep thinking about that part where he wasn't allowed to go to the bathroom alone um and one that's i think very real to things that happened at these these sort of camps and mm -hmm. also to it just is like the idea that you're not a human who's allowed to do anything alone you right. have no freedom you have no personal space can't make your own choices yeah uh, it's yeah. horrifying to think about and i think that um it that scene really really summed it up um i mean it, it got more brutal than just that uh, <laughs> that guy yeah. that it turned out that leader is a particularly heinous human but that guy played by uh flea from the red hot chili peppers by the way which was yes uh quite an interesting role from him pretty pretty well done actually it, uh, for music yeah i mean well flea flea has long been a champion of uh like queer rights right so mm -hmm. <laughs> that's just what he you know it makes sense that he would play a character in a movie like this to show how bad that is um so yeah um yeah, but seeing Flea in that was pretty pretty surprising. I keep I kept forgetting going in. I knew Flea was in it because I'd read the cast list a million times, and then he would show up and be like, "What?" <laughs> um, a slight take me out of the movie moment, but it's not the movie's fault. That's just me. Um, yeah, I was surprised, but like I I thought he did a good enough acting job that um, that that pretty quickly melted away, and I was just able to enjoy what a good performance he put on. Oh yeah, um, I mean he was and, great in it. Just I mean, his character was like menacing in all of the ways that it should have mm -hmm. been and like yeah. this weird like sort of like drugged out menacing and like I don't know, it was really surreal to watch him at times. Um his char I don't know, his character was like really frightening. More, even more frightening than Joel Edgerton's which like was should have been the more frightening one, I guess. But um like Flea's character like whenever he was on screen, I was like I don't want to be anywhere near this man ever in my entire life. Yeah. Um he seemed so. dangerous. Yeah. Uh -huh. So um I thought it was very I thought he did really, really well um in a role that could have been nothing. Like it could have been a, a very unmemorable role. Mm -hmm. But it was super I don't know, it was one of the it stood out to me. Mainly yeah. because of that scene. But 
And um, in terms of other acting performances, I thought uh, so. Nicole Kidman played uh, the mom of Jared in this movie, and I, I thought her acting was a pretty uh, big standout for me. Um, she so basically her role is at first uh, she sort of goes along with the plan to um, send Jared to this conversion therapy. Um, it's definitely the dad's idea, but she supports it. And she seems to basically just think that it's what's best for him. And even Jared somewhat seems to think it's what's best for him at first, but um, she gradually starts to come around to the idea that um, they shouldn't be forcing this upon him and that um, they're really not treating him well at this program. And she basically, in a pretty climactic scene, she saves him from um, the the people at the program who are basically holding him captive. And um, she she yells at um, Victor Sykes, who Joel's Edgerton, Joel Edgerton's character, um, she questions his uh, credentials and everything, and I, I thought that she did a great job. She, um, yeah, she killed it. Nicole Kidman was awesome in this movie. Yeah. Um, her character was strangely sympathetic, um, even when she wasn't totally understanding. You could always see in in uh, Nancy's eyes, Nancy being Nicole Kidman's character. Um, mm-hmm. You could see that she wanted to understand, I think, at any given time, um, because she loved her son. I think that that was what it boiled down to for her character. Mm-hmm. And I think Nicole Kidman portrayed that in virtually every moment that she was on screen. And it's it's really powerful. I mean, watching Nicole Kidman, when she does have that scene where she isn't going to let him stay there anymore once he said he doesn't want to and and... Joel Edgerton is trying to keep him and everybody else is just sort of looking on in like shock and confusion. Um, and she's banging on that door um, between, between herself and her son. It's extremely powerful um, yeah. to me. I don't know. I, you know, I, I mean, just thinking about like my, my own personal struggles with that sort of thing. Like if my mother ever did anything like that, like <laughs> that would be a huge I mean, I don't know. I don't think I would ever be able to get over that. Yeah. Um, You know, and so um, I think that she was so supremely effective. Um, I mean, I love Nicole Kidman in general, so maybe I'm biased, but she was awesome. And she Mm -hmm. had a great accent also. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And she had no business having that accent. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, she she played the, uh, the Southern mom quite well. Um, she did. She looked every part, the like Alabama, like Southern fraternity housewife culture mom. Like yeah. it was she crazy. Looked, she looked kind of like Dolly Parton. I thought. Yeah. Um, her hairstyle was very Dolly Parton. Very, very pulling off that look. Yeah. But she did it well. And she had the accent on point. I guess it makes mm-hmm. sense. She is married to a country singer, but he's also Australian. So whatever. <laughs> um, Those Australians are so good at uh, playing Southern. They really like uh, country culture, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm saying that with no knowledge of Australia. Um, <laughs> I mean, I have some, but... Yeah, uh, but Nicole Kidman is definitely a standout here. I agree yeah. with you. And speaking of other Australians, um, Russell Crowe is the dad in this movie. Um, definitely a much is, more conflicted character. Is Russell... Sorry, sidebar. Is Russell Crowe Australian? 
Yeah. Okay, I didn't know that. So Nicole Kidman, Russell Crowe, and Troy Sivan, who is a bit, not bit role, but like a sort of like B character in this movie, they're all Australian. All yeah. of those. Apparently, Russell Crowe is a New Zealand citizen, but has okay. lived most of his life in Australia. Okay. I definitely think of him as Australian. Um, I don't know. Okay. Where he was born, I really, but... I honestly had no idea. I have never heard Russell Crowe speak outside of a performance. Um, so. I, I just always think of the um, that South Park segment where it says, Russell Crowe's fighting around the world. Uh, and he's got a very strong <laughs> Australian accent there. So that's that's how I remember he's Australian. Okay. Uh, I really didn't know that. Why are there so many Australian movie or Australian people in this movie? Yeah. That's that's really random, I gotta Different say. Eye connection. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so Russell Crowe in this movie. Okay. Uh, oh my gosh, the... Joel Edgerton is Australian. Never mind. It's yeah, all it all makes sense. <laughs> They're all Australians. This is okay. just an Australian movie. All right. Um, <laughs> Russell Crowe uh, plays the father of Jared. Um, he is a, an owner and operator of a car dealership and a Baptist minister. Um, God, that, that is such a like, <laughs> it's just like such a perfect encapsulation of the South. Yeah, it really, it really does like hit all the stereotypes. And apparently based on. Um, uh, it's a true, it's true. Uh, That's actually, yeah. Yeah. Um. And obviously a much more conflicted character. He is the one who pushes Jared to go to this program, basically insists on it. He says, like, you're you go into this or you're out of the family, pretty much. Um uh definitely does not accept um his son's gayness at all. But basically so towards the end of the movie, after uh Jared quits the program, runs out of it. Um, his mom basically has to fight for him, um, stand up to the dad and say, like, uh, he's not going back. Um, so, um, and you get a flash forward at the end. Um, and Jared supposedly finishes college, moves to New York, and is living on his own, um, which parallels the real events in um, the life of Jared Conley. Um, Gerard, Gerard, Gerard Conley. Yes. But um, yes, he lives in New York. Yeah, yeah, and um, so and he comes back to uh, visit his dad, and there's this very powerful scene where um, he basically tells him like um, I, I don't even I don't even know how to put it exactly. He says um, that like he. If he wants to be in his life, basically he has to accept that um, that he's gay. He says, yeah. "Like um, um, I'm your son, and I'm gay, and those are two things that are never going to change. And it, if you want to be in my life, you have to accept that." And I mean, um, you said you didn't know how to put it, but I think you just quoted the film directly. <laughs> I think I did. The film I did say, "I'm your son, and I'm gay. Those are two things that are never going to change." It took me a while to get to it, but I found it. Yeah. It was a um, supremely beautiful moment. <laughs> it was. Yeah. And um and the dad basically said that he was gonna try. Like that that was all he could come up with at the end, but he he did finally say that he would at least make an effort. And um apparently 
uh, at least judging by the um, the sort of brief what happened in real life montage they show during the credits. It seems like that they actually did go on to have um, a real familial relationship after then. For, yeah, I mean, I don't, I can't speak for certain, but I do. It did seem like that from that montage at the end. Um, I know for a fact it seems like his mom really came around. Um, yeah, I, there are photos now of his mom on like the press circuit for this film with Nicole Kidman and everyone. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm pretty sure um, Gerard Cunley's mom is all on board. Um, yeah. which is awesome. See, like, um, because I I followed them on Instagram and stuff like that. Um there are photos of Gerard Cudley's mom with Nicole Kidman there and she's looking so happy. And um, it's like the sweetest thing in the entire world. Oh, to me. Nice. Uh, yeah. Um, I think it's great. Um, just seeing them together. And also Gerard Cudley's mom does look exactly like what you would think based on the way the movie <laughs> presents her, um, which great. is awesome. That's like a totally like, that's a, that's a plus to be clear. Um, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, uh, that scene with, um, Jared's dad at the end of the movie, I think is really important. And I think it really speaks to the movie's empathy for all of the characters. I mean, it obviously has a lot of empathy for Jared, but I I think it's important in that it does show like the importance of just his dad saying, I'm trying, you know, like I'm not there yet, but I am trying because I think that is so absolutely fundamental to the struggle that Jared is having I don't know. I think that um, it's important just to feel that somebody is actually trying to make that difference in their life for you, you know? So for Jared, that I can't imagine how that would feel for somebody, obviously. But, you know, I think that it's important to show that that empathy for everyone, not just the, the lead character. You're showing it for also the person who is trying to struggle with changing their entire worldview now. Yeah. Um, because yeah, they it- love their son so much that they want to change their worldview. Like, and it seems so much more real for that. Like he's not going to change overnight, but that he's like literally trying to adapt his whole worldview for the sake of his own son, um, who he loves, and in spite of everything he's been told or everything he's believed, um, I think that that feels very real and very powerful. I do too. Um, I also think that um, sort of not as a counterpoint to that, but like on a related note, but slightly on a different end, I think that um, the movie also puts a lot of the onus for change, not on Jared, but on the people around Jared. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that that is so absolutely important because the people who are suffering because of these like totally oppressive, homophobic, everything else, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, worldviews, should not be the people who should feel bad and feel like they need to change everyone else. The people who are homophobic and, you know, hating gays and are racist and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, should be the ones who have to change. And I think this movie does a good job of putting the onus on them. It's not on Jared. I mean that, yeah, that's basically what the message of the movie I think boils down to is that like he spends all this time trying to change and going through this program thinking that that's what he has to do but he very clearly realizes by the end that it's not he's not the one that has to change that like that it's the people in his life who aren't letting him be who he's supposed to be right it's the people like his dad who need to change and his mom even i mean we see her change yeah. throughout the course of the movie but 
you know, like from the beginning, she wasn't on board. I think it's that by the end. And so I think that's like, we have to watch that change happen. And it's like, that's what everyone else needs to do. They need to do exactly what she did where they're like, no, you know what? At the end of the day, I love my son. And so I love him and I know who he is. And I don't think that he's wrong. Like, you know, um, I think it's a, a really great and refreshing message. There's a lot of, um, I don't want to say there's a lot of movies that make it seem like, you know, the gay character needs to be the one to convince everyone else that they're fine. But there are a lot of mm-hmm. movies that don't really like explicitly say, by the way, everyone else around you needs to change. It's not you. <laughs> yeah. um, and Boy Erased does a really good job of just saying, F them. Like, they need to change, not you. Uh, and it's it hits you, I think, by the end of the movie. It's you know, like emotionally hits you, not just like, oh, it's clear. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that pretty much sums up the movie and, uh, the, the basic feeling of it, um, just to go into some, some of the more weird minutia of this thing, uh, Troy Sivan is in this movie, uh, <laughs> uh, which I, I didn't even realize at first, uh, until I saw him in the credits, I was like, oh, that is him. And that was him on the soundtrack. Um, yes, which, yeah, I can't I believe hadn't... you didn't recognize him on the soundtrack. I hadn't heard his music before, but I really did like that song. Um, so I was definitely watching to see um, who did that song, and it was him. So it's a beautiful uh, song. Yeah, um, really Troy is awesome. So came you should listen a... to his latest album, Bloom. Uh-huh. It's on yeah. iTunes, Teddy. Listen to Bloom on <laughs> iTunes. I'll, um... I'll check it out. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. His that song came at like a, a very. Um, big moment in the movie i think it was um the one where um he's um meeting that guy after the art show where it was um like the only man he's ever sort of been with even though they just laid in bed together um it was just like a very beautiful moment and just sort of felt like kind of a downbeat um at the at the tail end of a party kind of song you know, just as the evening sort of winding down. Right. Well, that's actually not to get too sidetracked, but that's a lot of Troy Sivan's music. Um, you should also listen to his not latest album, Blue Neighborhood. Uh, uh-huh. It's actually a lot of like sort of like downbeat after the party music. Um, It's really, really good. Blue Neighborhood is my favorite album of his so far. Not saying a ton. He hasn't had but so many, but still um, it's really good. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. I know what I'm listening to at work tomorrow now. Good, right. yeah. It's really great. <laughs> really great pop music. Um, so, that otherwise, was, I um, think overall, I, I enjoyed the movie. I thought it was great. Um, it, was a, it was a great, I think, honest retelling of a story. Um, I think it really captured the spirit of the memoir in a, a really excellent way. And I think it was moving and important, so. Yeah. Um, oh, one one more note that I had. Um, so, I when I went to see this in the theater, um, there were two people in the back row behind me who were just annoying the crap out of me the entire time because they were whispering, um, which I hate because you know everyone thinks like if you whisper in a movie theater, it's fine, like no one can hear you. But of course, they can hear you because there's just a movie going. And there's a lot of quiet moments in it. And you're just going to hear people whispering the whole time. So I I could hear everything they were saying, um, which was annoying the crap out of me most of the time until this one scene um, 
where um, Jared has to meet with the doctor because um, they're they're giving him a blood test, I guess, like to find out if he's gay or something. No, oh, to find out like if he has normal testosterone levels because yes. they think that's going to be different for some reason. And the doctor clearly thinks it's bullshit, like knows that he's just going to come back normal and is basically telling him as much. And it's just like, you know, um, I know this is going to come back normal. Uh, I know they're going to send you to this therapy or whatever, but, you know, just know, like, you don't have to do this. Like, you can make your own choices, basically. And, like, when she was saying that, one of the people behind me said, I love her. <laughs> I was like, okay, you know, I actually agree with you, so I'm going to let that one slide. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, that was Cherry Jones. Yeah, yeah Cherry she's Jones. amazing. I she love her. Great. She played the president on 24, so wow. I'm a huge fan. Um, but also, yeah, I also had people in my theater like that. There was, I mean, I was in a pretty, I was in a basically full house actually when I saw Boy Erased, um, yeah. which kind of surprised me because I saw it at like 5 p.m. on like a Tuesday. Um, there were like five other people in my theater, and still it was like this is like more annoying than if it was in a crowded theater. Everybody in my theater was really reacting. It was, mm-hmm. yeah, um, mostly positively. I mean. Okay, everybody was positively reacting, but what I mean is mostly people were reacting in a way that I could tolerate. Uh, Because normally I don't like any sort of talking in a movie. I get like sort of frustrated. I'm like, why are you doing anything? Um, Unless it's a scary movie and you're like jumping or something like that. But um, it really depends. Like, I I mean, there's some movies that like if people are like razzing the screen, it seems okay. But I'd say like 99% of the time it just makes it miserable if people are talking i mean yeah but you know the movies where it's okay to talk during like immediately Mm -hmm. like we're talking like the room or something like if you're going to see geostorm or something you're going to expect people to be talking shit and that's if people aren't talking during geostorm then there's something wrong with them honestly why are you going to see geostorm in the theater if you're not gonna like yell out stupid quips during it yeah if you don't, you're missing out. Like Geostorm <laughs> was built for that. I don't think I think Geostorm wanted you to like yell out stupid quips. Yeah. Yeah. They they left you lots of riff time in there. Yeah. Uh, they wanted to be like memed. Like <laughs> that's all they wanted. So all right. So that's uh that's basically boy erased. All right. So last week we commented that uh, we'd seen two movies in a row now where we were really disappointed with the queer content of the themes given the movies in discussion, uh, specifically Bohemian Rhapsody and Fantastic Beasts. And so we would watch the gayest movie we could possibly find uh, going forward uh, for the next episode. Yeah, we got to make up for the lack of gay Dumbledore. I mean... I need I need more gay Dumbledore in my life. If we can't get that, we got to get something. Honestly, having no gay Dumbledore is a huge loss to all of us. Exactly. Yeah, I feel really hurt by it. <laughs> um, so I think this week we both set out to do that. Um, uh, you saw Boy Erased, which was great. Right. Um, I had already seen that, so I decided to watch another movie on gay conversion therapy. (laughs) And that movie was called eating out to sloppy seconds. Um, Can you uh, say that again? 
It is called Eating Out Two Sloppy Seconds. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> it's a it's a 2006 gay comedy. It's uh it's basically like an American Pie franchise. Mm-hmm. Uh, the American Pie or the Eating Out movies. They're basically just American Pie, uh, but for uh-huh. gays. Um, and so eating out to sloppy seconds is of course a follow-up to eating out. Right. Um, Building on the classic formula. Right. Yes. Um, I had seen eating out before. Um, I don't know how long ago it'd been. Uh, I know that I remembered I saw eating out because it starred Jim Ferraros, who was a like eighth or ninth runner up on season one of American Idol. Um, <laughs> Great distinction. Yeah. Right. Um, and then he went on to be in these like gay sex comedies. Um, so eating out two is a follow up to that. And it also stars Jim Ferraros, uh, which was great to see, you know, good for him. Um, but the premise of the movie is that his character is a gay man, openly mm. gay, whose best friend is like this, like straight woman who's like a total fag hag. Basically, that's like she. That's how she defines herself. That's how the movie defines her. Mm-hmm. That's the whole thing. Um, and they have an art class together with this other girl who lives with Jim Ferraris' ex boyfriend. Um, and so they all have an art class together and this new model comes in and it's like, Oh, by the way, I'm the nude model for your art class. Um, which is already like, okay, how many art classes do you really go to where there's a nude model and you didn't know that I'm just saying they usually warn you if you're going to have a nude model. Well, people um, are going to be naked here. What? Yeah. They definitely have to let you know before that happens, but whatever. Um, so <laughs> they're all like, all I know is that in the movie, he like drops his pants and they're all like gasp, like, oh my goodness. Um, they're like, you know, he's like, oh, how do you want me, professor? And the one girl is like, on my face. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, same, but also like, calm down, <laughs> Tiffany Vandersloot. Um, like, <laughs> oh my God. Um, so. So he's like standing up there and modeling for them. And afterwards they all like go up to him and they're like, Oh, by the way, you were great. Um, and so they're trying to figure out if he's like gay or straight because the women both want him. And then the, the main character, the gay guy also really wants him. Mm -hmm. He's like, well, yeah, I've been with girls, but not only. Um, and he has (laughs) that, that Southern accent that's slightly terrible. Um, not only. Yeah, and so it's very funny. And so what it turns out is that this guy is wanting to be straight, but isn't. So he's like, I found out about this like camp that will like turn you straight or whatever. They, they'll help you become a straight man. And so the main super gay character is like, yeah, okay. And his female friends are like, well, you know, this guy here, he he used to be gay and now he's straight. And so it becomes this thing where he can't deny it. And so what happens is he has to pretend to be straight and go to these like gay conversion therapy support group meetings because he wants to sleep with this man who's definitely into men, but wants to be straight. (laughs) And so that's the whole plot of the movie is this gay man pretending to be straight so he can sleep with a 
not straight man who's pretending to be straight. Um, so basically, it, like using those uh, support meetings like a pickup place. Yes, and of course, like that's like a common. I mean, this is a sex comedy, so there's other <laughs> sex that happens. So of course, the other people in the support groups are doing the exact same thing. <laughs> They're like, they'll like show up and um. They go to a support meeting and my favorite is when they show this like long form meeting and it's like seven guys in the support meeting and one woman who is like, I don't want to be a lesbian. And they're all like, okay, whatever. Um, which is just like, <laughs> okay, that's okay. Um, they, these guys are like, oh, what did you do this week that was straight? And the, the gay guys will be like, well, you know, I watched straight porn for the first time and I watched stuff with Ron Jeremy, so I wouldn't look at him. <laughs> and it was like, okay. Um, oh, God. Very funny stuff. Or like a guy would be like, well, I got to third base with a girl. Uh, you know, she touched my knee and then I got hard. And all the guys are like, tell me more about that. <laughs> That's okay. how it works, right? I mean, that seems like gay conversion therapy. Uh, so. <laughs> All in all, I think it was totally an accurate depiction, right? That's exactly what it's like. Right. I, uh, if anything more accurate than Boy Erased, probably. It was eating out two sloppy seconds. A better take on gay conversion therapy, exactly. by and large. Gay uh, conversion no. therapy can be fun, apparently. <laughs> Super fun. <laughs> what it really is, is a it's a hookup scene. It was Grinder before we all had Grinder. Yeah, it's it's uh, real-life Grinder. There was a actually a real moment in eating out two sloppy seconds when somebody was talking about like the hookup culture or whatever i think this was eating out too and um somebody was saying oh you know like i used to meet like guys like here and there or like maybe you meet them at church and the one woman was like well that's how it used to be done you know you met mm -hmm. them at church <laughs> no that's true um yeah yeah, so that's what I, I watched this week because I had seen Boy Erased already and I needed to find something that was super gay and also <laughs> sort of in the same vein, but I wanted it to be a little bit over the top and absurd. Um, yeah. Well, it definitely sounds pretty absurd. <laughs> I think it is. I think you should watch it uh, yeah. personally. I think you should probably watch the first one as well um, because you need For to know continuity. the character development. Yeah. Um, because it does have some repeating characters, so you need to know. All right, maybe, maybe I'll check it out. We'll do like a full franchise breakdown on the Eating Out series at some point. I mean, it's basically American Pie, so no, but like all gay. It's just gay men doing American Pie, basically, with like some women who are totally into the gay scene. So, well, um, we could do like a side by side breakdown of uh, American Pie series versus the Eating Out series. Oh my gosh, I would love that. I own cool. the American Pie series. <laughs> Every single American Pie that? movie I own. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't know why it happened. I literally have not paid for any myself. They've just, like, come into my possession. So, nobody ever buys an American Pie movie. It just sort of Eugene shows Eugene Levy up buys a lot of American like, Pie movies. I don't want to hear it. Um, <laughs> He's the only thing keeping them in business. <laughs> you're not wrong about that part. Uh. Uh, yeah. So uh, uh, maybe look out for that at some point in the future. We'll maybe maybe do that comparison. I think we um, should. But yeah. aside from that, we did both watch the same movie this week, so we could be on the same page. And we both watched King Cobra. 
Yeah. So another one in our quest to find the gayest movie possible. Um, I don't know if this is necessarily the gayest movie possible, but it did fulfill um, the criteria we were looking for. Um, we're looking for something a little campy um, and um, hopefully something that was a little bit of a thriller, which this was, which we very much like. And um, it does have some characters who are undeniably gay. Um, and it's mostly based around gay pornography. So, yeah, this um, this was a good late night watch for us. It was a strange watch. Um, yeah. <laughs> King Cobra is sort of a weird movie. It doesn't, it's, I mean, the whole thing, it just feels off basically the whole time, in my opinion. Um, mm. I do think it's a, I mean, I think it's a well-made movie. Um, I love the fact that half the time you're watching it kind of feels like you're watching a gay porn. Like at any time you don't know if it's going to burst into sex. Um, yeah. Like, there are definitely parts of it that felt like sort of like softcore porn in a way. Well, I mean, those parts were intentional. Those, yeah. um, those parts where you have like James Franco bent over a couch, like, um, <laughs> but like, <laughs> Oh yeah. Can we talk about how James Franco's in this movie? Because of course he is. I didn't even have to see his name on the cast list to know that he was going to show up at some point. Of course he would. Why would James Franco not show up in a movie about the most famous gay porn star to date? Um, <laughs> like, it's just classic, classic James Franco. Mm-hmm. Um, so for those of you who don't know, King Cobra is quote unquote based on a true story um, that has been disputed by main character in question, Brent Corgan slash Sean Lockhart. Um, he has said maybe it misrepresented him and the events. Um, however, Sean Lockhart being the, the real person and Brent Corrigan, his uh, porn persona. Yes. Good catch. Um, so it's purported to be based on true events um, about Sean Lockhart becoming Brent Corrigan, and which is a very famous gay porn star. Um, mm-hmm. He's one of the most well-known gay porn stars out there. Um, and subsequently, his name is trademarked by his manager, uh, who is in the movie played by Christian Slater. Mm-hmm. And the manager is then, you know, he he and Brent Corrigan have a fight, and they part ways, and some other porn agency wants to get in on the Brent Corrigan action and can't. And so they decide to take matters into their own hands, basically. Um, and so it ends a little violently. Um, yeah. And this is a totally true story. This Christian Slater's character was actually murdered in real life by James Franco and his in-movie boyfriend's character. Um, yeah. <laughs> that yeah, is real-life murder. It's a. It's based on a an actually very dark reality like that yeah you know the porn industry is vicious it is um there's a lot of violence there and also that people can just be terrible for no reason which made it kind of strange though because they they did take this dark event and um the movie itself was dark at times but for the most part it had kind of like a a jokey lighthearted tone to it. So there were some very strong tonal shifts at points in this movie where events suddenly became very real. And then other parts were just like, ah, like this is a goofy movie about porn stars and they're all just 
naked all the time and it's fun but yeah, yeah. so i think about that um i mean obviously you have there's some very like really standout sequences for that i think one for me like the first one that really like grabbed my attention in the movie was you see a lot of like in early scenes like it opens with uh sean lockhart's he's like auditioning for christian slater's character who is a uh, steven um, and he's auditioning and he's like being really like like demure and like whatever before mm-hmm. he like pulls out his dick i guess um because that's what he's there to do um yeah and he's you know it's like presented very like playfully and like gleeful and yada 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 but it's like only like 30 minutes later before uh steven kosis is like basically forcing brent corgan to having sex with him yeah um, and it's it's like he's like it's definitely like a power play. Um, He's like, Oh, just make me feel wanted or whatever. And it's, it's sort of um, for Brent Corgan. It, I, I mean, and I'm going to refer to him as Brent Corgan, just FYI, just because that's the name I know him as. I know Mm -hmm. it's Sean Lockhart in reality, but Brent Corgan is the the stage name that he uses. That's how I know him. Um, But Brent Corgan is like, he clearly doesn't want this, right? Uh, yeah. He's like, but he's like, I don't know how to say no because you're my manager. Yeah, um, he's his boss. He controls his payroll. He's bas- he's living with him at the time. Yeah, so he's pretty much um, a very big part of his life and his support system. So um, he definitely doesn't know how to say no in that moment, and pretty clearly wants to. He absolutely wants to. Um, I think that's very, very clear at the start. And I think it's, I mean, I think it's handled really, really well until it drags on the way that it does and is cut the way that it does. Like there's some weird, like heavy breathing, like rhythmic things added in that um, Mm -hmm. I I sort of thought were like questionable given that it's definitely a negative scene. Um, But I think that it is like one of the first examples in the movie of like how there's like, a tonal imbalance in the story they're trying to tell and the way they want to tell it. Right. Um, It just doesn't really mesh all the time because it is a, it's a pretty dark story about sort of like the culture and industry that they live in, uh, all of that. Mm -hmm. And they can't seem to sort of handle that. And from watching the trailer, I did think that it was going to be a lot darker because they sort of play that up. Um, all the um like the negatives of the industry and the um like the fact that they were trying to murder this guy i mean, you don't see in the trailer that they succeed but they do so there's um there's clearly a lot of dark stuff that happens in the movie and that was what they're trying to uh emphasize when they're marketing it but it, it is kind of um a little more of a lighthearted movie you know, like some dark th- moments happen like that, but they're, um, you know, in between, it's sort of like just trying to be uh, just very sexual and showing off like the, the sexier side of the porn industry and um, also just kind of funny at times. Um, but uh, it's not really overall like a gritty thriller or anything as you might expect from um something based on a real life murder case it's kind of of, um kind of a mixed bag in terms of the tone 
but um i thought it was fun certainly it was um it was interesting definitely i mean i definitely had a lot of fun with the movie watching it it's hard to be bored yeah but i definitely i mean i absolutely agree there's no the way especially like when you mentioned the murder at the end it just doesn't nothing nothing about it sort of like connects right like you can't get, see that murder thing to be like well the movie that came before this definitely led up to a <laughs> 13 stab murder yeah um, oh yeah that was a brutal know. murder and so for those who have not seen the movie full spoiler alert but harlow who is um uh andrew keegan maybe um uh Keegan, Keegan Allen. Allen. Yeah. Keegan Allen. He um, is uh he he basically murders um Brent Corrigan's manager so that Brent Corrigan can use the name Brent Corrigan um after an extended sex audition scene for his porn site. Uh so yeah. um Keegan Allen's character is Harlow and Harlow comes in and he auditions to be a sex performer on on uh christian slater who is steven kosas's site and i mean you have to watch about like 10 to 15 minutes of harlow being super sexy like Mm -hmm. before he decides to just like lay in to just just christian slater like he stabs him like 20 times it is really (laughs) intense how much blood there is it is blood and like it yeah, I really was not expecting that scene. Like, I I knew that they were gonna try to murder him, or at least to like try to intimidate him. So what I was expecting was that they were um, that one or both of them was gonna show up with a gun or something and try to intimidate him into letting them use um, Brent Corrigan's name, which is why they had the beef with him originally, because they wanted to make a movie with Brent Corrigan, but he had the copyright on the name. Um, But they didn't do that at all. They just brutally murdered him. And it it came as a huge shock. I mean, that that scene, if they were looking to shock with that scene, they really pulled it off, because I was not expecting that. And it was... Well, I mean... Because it was tonally like completely out of nowhere. Like yeah. <laughs> there was nothing. I mean, you'd had some scenes where, especially like Harlow and Joseph, who is James Franco's character, had sort of had these moments where you knew they were not totally all their characters. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have that scene where um Joe's car gets repoed by some people who come to you know, the repo people basically. And he's mm-hmm. like freaking out. And so Harlow comes out and he's like, what are we going to do? That's my whole life, baby. That's my, what am I going to do? And so Joe like freaks out and pulls out a gun. So Harlow like headlocks him and takes the gun and points it at his face. Yeah. <laughs> Very frightening. Um, So yeah. like you had some implication that there was like, something wrong with these guys so they're clearly unstable but i thought they were going to be like the the goofy incompetent criminal types who yeah. just gonna like at like accident their way into committing a murder but i mean it turns out they kind of were the goofy incompetent criminal types they got caught pretty much immediately yeah because they tell sean slash brent everything yeah they just tell him in the, the movie whole thing. In and a hot tub the because they want to have sex with them. And like, then, yeah. 
on camera, to be clear. They want to have sex with him on camera, so they tell him everything, which makes virtually zero sense, but okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but apparently that that happened in real life, so... Yeah. I can't... Yeah, I have no comment on whether or not that sequence happened in real life. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do know that Sean Lockhart has said negative things about this movie. Um, really? He has. He has said he has basically disclaimed it. He was like, this is not an accurate retelling. Um, which, you know, kind of makes me feel not great overall about the movie. You can't really like fake like a murder story. I don't know. Like, <laughs> but um, otherwise, I mean, I don't know. I think that it is like a it's like I mean, I think it's a good movie aside from that. So, yeah. No, it's an interesting look at the industry. Um, right. And, you know, characters are pretty interesting. Uh, although it's got that those strange tonal shifts, it sort of works for the most part. It's fun. I was going to say, the tonal shifts almost, like, work in its favor at times. Like, they aren't, like, qualities of a good film. Like, it's not, like, a, it's clearly not, like, the most well-thought-out film. <laughs> <laughs> but it, like, the tonal shifts almost, like, sort of work Um Mainly because that is just sort of like, I imagine life in that sort of environment. Like, <laughs> you would flip from like moments of like really like exciting like ecstasy to like terrible things. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I think it is, I don't know. I think overall, I think it's a good movie that has, it wants to say a lot about like sort of like the industry and like queerness in general. I don't know if it does say as much as it wants to but i think it's admirable that it wants to in the first place yeah i do think um some of the casting is jarring you you have james i mean james franco is not jarring anybody should expect james franco to be in a queer centric film at this point um james franco shows up so much in these sort of movies i was just like okay yeah there he is yeah (laughs) but like uh i do think it's interesting that this movie was sort of just like a like an adult vehicle for Garrett Clayton, who was previously just on the teen beach movies from Disney channel. Um, I think it's interesting that he decided to just completely disband Disney and be in this movie about a gay porn star because it sort of parallels just like Sean Lockhart deciding that I'm an adult now and I'm just going to do gay porn. Like, um, like, I don't know. It's an interesting sort of choice there where they picked a character who is basically, or an actor who's doing basically the exact same thing that Sean Lockhart was doing in the movie. Um, It was like, who's that guy who did um, uh, my friend Dahmer recently, who was a Disney star? That was Ross Lynch. Ross Lynch, yeah. Yeah, so it's like that, just like doing the most extreme sort of thing you can think of to distance yourself from the family-friendly brand. But even Like, like... Ross, I mean, okay, so Ross Lynch doing My Friend Dahmer was probably similar where he, like, actively thought about it. But it's, like, a little bit less than Garrett Clayton in King Cobra, which was sort of like a, I don't know, like, especially, like, within, like, like just sort of the gay movie community, like, sort of like a a very well-publicized movie. Like, Mm -hmm. you knew it was coming, and you knew it had Garrett Clayton. Like, (laughs) you could not miss any of that. Um, if you were just like following queer media and so like you saw so much of it like 
I don't know. It was like very clear that he was just like, I want to do something that is not teen beach movie. <laughs> Whereas my friend Dahmer wanted to appeal to like very broad audiences. Like yeah. it wanted everyone to like it. Um, I mean, I do think it's real that like former Disney stars and Nick stars or whatever, basically former teen stars want to be taken seriously as adults. And that's fine. Um, I'm not sure that King Cobra was the vehicle for that Garrett, but whatever. Yeah. It certainly broke away from the family friendly brand. Yeah. I mean, that's good. I felt like yeah, this was something like friendly. if this came out like 10 years ago, like this is what Zach Efron would have been doing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Zach Efron totally would have done this movie. Yeah. Um, he would have been excited to write off of high school musical. <laughs> Just like go in and be like a gay porn star who gets like completely. Yeah. Just like anally penetrated all the time. Like you see all the teenage girls being like, I need to see Zach Efron's next movie. What yeah. Is this thing called King Cobra. It's also you know, I don't think enough conversation has been given to just the title. It's called King Cobra. Yeah. Which is named after Christian Slater's character. Yeah. Yeah. And he's called King Cobra during the movie. He um, runs a site called Cobra Films or whatever. Yeah. I can't remember. Um. <laughs> Cobra something. Um, I just think it's interesting that it's named after him because it's not the movie is not ostensibly about him. Yeah, it's not his story. Yeah. It's well, definitely Sean Lockhart's story. Killed, but yeah. It's Sean it's Lockhart and it's Harlow's story, basically. I think it's because King Cobra sounds cool and sounds like vaguely sexual as well. I was gonna say Cobra is phallic, so <laughs> Yeah. Um I'm sure that's why the site was named that originally. Mm. Well that's for sure. Um yeah. <laughs> No subtlety there. No. There's no subtlety in gay porn. Um, that's not a thing. <laughs> but. I don't know. King Cobra was. Yeah, it was a fun movie. For yeah. all of its flaws. I think that. Um, yeah, I don't know. My favorite. I don't know. My favorite thing about it is just like the ridiculousness of the tone. I yeah. can't stop thinking about how like you you have this movie that will spend the whole movie focusing on like just like Sean Lockhart having gay sex with like random guys. Um, I mean, it's not really too random. You have like that one guy who recurs multiple times throughout the movie, yeah. things like that. But um, you know, he's sleeping around and it's very funny. It's tongue in cheek, yada yada yada. And then we get a very serious brutal murder mm -hmm. um of christian slater's character it is i mean it is shockingly vicious um and that murder scene culminates when james franco and keegan allen's characters are both caught by the police in a scene that features dramatic opera music basically <laughs> yeah um <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if that was meant to be laughable or not, but it is completely ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but then the movie ends with <laughs> oh, man. Garrett Clayton as Sean Lockhart slash Brent Corrigan basically having sex on a hay bale. And you think, okay, he's having sex on a hay bale. And then he gets up and he's like, cut. And it turns out he's filming the porn. 
And so he's, he's directing, directing this guy yeah. how to do porn. And then he just turns to the camera and he's like, let's fuck. Okay. <laughs> and that's how the movie ends. That's they, it. That's they go the out on that. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to reconcile because you've just watched a man be murdered for your name, Brent Corrigan. Mm-hmm. And now you're just filming gay porn and hay bales and shouting lights fuck into cameras. <laughs> yeah. It's it's an odd ending, but it, it does show his ascension to uh director from Mere Star. That's so true. There's that. And that's um, real yeah, that's fine. But and, yeah, Sean Lockhart went on to, you know, direct and produce film uh, porn films and do a little actual film work himself um oddly enough he was in the movie milk uh which also had uh james franco in it so i i sort of wonder if they met up while they were doing that probably i mean clearly james franco met half of like the the queer actors in the world um he was like (laughs) setting out to do it it seems yeah um now that scene um, where James Franco and, well, um, Joseph Carreckes is his character or whatever. Um, yeah. He and his boyfriend are working out together. And um, he's yelling, like, don't be a little bitch. <laughs> and they're, like, pumping iron really hard. I was, like, when I was watching that scene, I was wondering, like, does James Franco actually work out like this? Because I could totally see it. You think so? Maybe. I was thinking that I could see James Franco never working out a day in his life. I mean, just look at him. Like, he doesn't care. But it's possible. Two, two possible um, James Franco workout hot takes. Um, just choose whichever one matches your uh, preconceptions. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, he was definitely an interesting uh, character in all this. Um, I mean, it's James Franco. He, <laughs> it's, I mean, it's not shocking that he's in this movie. Um, of course, he is in this movie, but it yeah. is bizarre that he's so like gung ho in this movie and like every <laughs> other movie where he decided to play a gay man, which is very, very many, it seems. Um, he's just like so into it here. This one, yeah, he goes all out. Well, you know, it, it sort of matches the movie. There's a lot of on-screen sex with him in it. So yeah. he sort of has to go all out, <laughs> so to speak. So, you know, oh, one of my favorite quotes in this movie, um, when we're still getting introduced to... Um, James Franco's character and his boyfriend. Um, they're um, they're just starting to um, shoot their own porn films after doing a bit of escort work originally. And um, they start talking about Brent Corrigan. And I can't remember which one of it is. One of them doesn't know Brent Corrigan. And the other one says, like, what porn rock have you been That's- living under? <laughs> So that's in a so the one who doesn't know who Brent Corgan is is actually like their like assistant programmer or uh-huh. something. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was great. That um, is really good. Oh, another 
Another funny quote from this movie was um, when Brent Corrigan's mom finds out that he was doing porn after he'd originally been saying that he was doing a uh, a paid film internship, uh, and that was why he was away from the house so much. Um, she was like, I should have known it all along. I should have known. Who pays somebody to do an internship? I was <laughs> like, that's so very real. Like, as someone who's tried to get a film internship before, that's that's like spot on. Yeah. You're probably is. just doing porn. Yep. Um, yeah, and like the whole relationship with the mom, too, was really weird in this movie. Right? Yes. Like, I, um, I like... Sorry, I'm thinking about the relationship with the mom. It it's seemed, just like it seemed almost a little incestuous at times. Yeah, and it's like Alicia Silverstone is there, and she's <laughs> like has this like weird, creepy grin the whole time. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's really, it's really weird to watch. Um, <laughs> they clearly they probably like shot all of her scenes on the same day because the yeah. only times that she's in the movie is scenes where she's at um her son's apartment right and there's like two or three of those scenes but yeah like clearly they just could all shot those back to back right yes i don't know it's yeah it's weird that she was in this movie in the first place <laughs> I, it's been a while since i've seen alicia silverstone something i i can't say i even recognized her at first uh, I did recognize Molly Ringwald as okay, um, good. Uh, Christian Slater's character's sister. Yes, um, that was she was pretty good. Mm-hmm. She was sort of playing the the sister with like the normal life and um, with the the husband and two kids um, as sort of a contrast to her brother with the um, the porn producer lifestyle. Oof. But yeah, she was pretty good. Yeah. Did you ever figure out what was the deal with Brent Corrigan and horses in this movie? No. (laughs) He was really into them for some reason. It starts out, there's a, a scene of him like watching horses on TV. And then later, like when he has like the whole scandal period where it comes out that he was underage when he was filming his first scenes and he gets like sort of pseudo blacklisted for a while. Um, and he like just goes to a horse ranch and looks at horses. And then at the end <laughs> there's him riding a horse before he does that final um, horn directing <laughs> scene. It's like, what, what is he doing with, why why is him and horses a thing like i i don't even (laughs) understand what the theme here is he's just very into horses (laughs) (laughs) i literally have no explanation for it it happens so yeah um that's pretty much what we thought of king cobra it's not not bad kind of fun um and um, so we, we had one more kind of segment here for you. Um, we thought to liven things up, we'd play sort of a fun game that we came up with. Um, for now, we're calling it In Another World. Um, title subject to change if we come up with something funnier. Um, 
but basically the premise of this game is um you think of a movie and um you postulate what that movie would be like if one of the characters was replaced by a character from a different movie that the same actor plays so for example um the one that came to mind for me and what uh inspired this was um Russell Crowe in Boy Erased um and <laughs> while watching this um there were certain times or I, I couldn't help but think, um, what if uh, this were Javert from Les Miserables <laughs> in this movie? Um, in particular, there's this one scene um, after uh, Jared comes back from New York um, in the flash forward near the end, um, and they have this sort of confrontation on the front porch that's um, very poignant and um uh Russell Crowe's character sort of just walks away without giving any ground but then he's like sitting at his desk contemplating and like in the dark I was thinking what if he just started singing to himself there out in the darkness a fugitive running <laughs> it was like he's this he's this very um self-righteous religious character as well so it sort of fits well yes <laughs> be good <laughs> i like it that's good that's yeah. a good one thanks I uh, guess... what, what about you yeah um <laughs> i came up with a lot of examples um a lot of things where if if you switch the characters it would be hilarious in my opinion um <laughs> I think um, one of the, the biggest ones I came up with was in King Cobra, actually. If you mm -hmm. took James Franco, his character, and you switched him, and he's actually just James Franco himself <laughs> as the director of Interior Leather Bar. Uh -oh. um, <laughs> he would just show up on, on screen every time, and he would be so like confident in himself and be just like, well... I'm not actually gay. I'm just a uh, gay in my art and spiritually. <laughs> I don't actually like having sex with men. Um, and so all of those scenes where he has sex with Keegan Allen would take on a whole new meaning, right? Um, yeah. When he's getting like banged from behind, he'll be looking back. He's like, you know, I'm just doing this for my art. Just so could you knows. imagine James Franco just like bent over on like a Corvette or whatever car that was, and he's just like, yeah, fuck my ass. But just for art, <laughs> like <laughs> for the sake of art, <laughs> fuck me for no gay spirituality. Um, <laughs> uh, sorry, um, okay, um, <laughs> which uh, I think is probably just, just James Franco's entire life, actually, but yeah, yeah, um, that's okay. Um, I think that that would be a really fun swap that would have yielded great results honestly yeah <laughs> if somebody had just said james franco play james franco like i mean i guess he sort of did that anyway i don't think james franco has never played anyone other than himself but mm -hmm. um what if james franco in that movie was his character from spring breakers <laughs> um <laughs> 
<laughs> just like exactly the same except gay. <laughs> okay, it would have brought such new meaning to win in Spring Breakers. James Franco sang "Every Time" by Britney Spears. Um, <laughs> Because that's my favorite moment in Spring Breakers. So what would have happened in King Cobra is that um, Keegan Allen would have viciously murdered uh, Christian Slater. And then James Franco would have just like somehow showed up in a pink ski mask and (laughs) played every time on whatever piano Christian Slater happened to have in the building. Um, (laughs) During um, all the sex scenes, he would have been making people like suck on his gun. Yes, he would have been like... (laughs) the scene where he gets fucked from behind he would have just been like bent over a car and he would have looked back at like the guy fucking him and just been like look at my shit (laughs) (laughs) oh my god (laughs) it would have been honestly impressive to watch (laughs) if we could have seen those two characters collide James Franco as alien who is basically just riffraff is like yeah. the funniest thing i have ever seen hands That's down third character so i'd yeah. really love to see that character in way more movies mm-hmm. um so <laughs> also thought, uh, what if james franco in this movie was just his character from 127 hours so just like the entire time he was doing this he just had one arm <laughs> he was like bent over the couch but he was like sort of off balance well yeah i was gonna say he couldn't have really gotten away with like the bending over as easily like (laughs) like like he used his arms for that it would be a lot harder done yeah he would have had just like sort of like flop it's Um, hard as an amputee in porn i mean unless that's specifically your niche yeah in which case good for you honestly um if that's a niche you found yeah um yeah i i don't think that um that could have gone well (laughs) (laughs) but there are so many like you could swap out james franco and king cobra with so many james franco characters and they would all be good (laughs) like it could be harry osborne from the spider-man franchise and it would still be good like (laughs) it's like he would have just been like yelling about his daddy issues the whole time like (laughs) He clearly has them. Well, it would just I mean... be more pronounced. <laughs> that I mean, there's some other some other good ones in that movie. Like, what if you take an Alicia Silverstone as the mom, and just replaced her and it's Alicia Silverstone as Batgirl and Batman and Robin? Like, <laughs> <laughs> she would have just been like making puns left and right and wearing like silver nipples or something like <laughs> she she leaves um brent corrigan's apartment to go um street race under her um alter ego <laughs> well what would have happened is was you know in the end scene when uh, sean lockhart slash brent corrigan tells his mom like everything i guess like he it's it's implied that she knows everything yeah. um and they like have this happy reunion scene the reason they would have had that is because he would have been like, mom, this guy like tried to trademark my name and kidnap me. And then he got murdered by some other gays who wanted me. 
um, she would have been like, okay, son. She would have just like suited up and gone out and like fought him in like an ice fortress somewhere. And he would have somehow had like like venom that made him super strong. Like (laughs) it's all right. I know a guy with a suit with built-in nipples who's gonna take care of this. (laughs) She she would have, she'd been like, All right, son, these are the Brent nipples. Um like on her suit. Wow. Um, so yeah, that's true. I think we found a gayer movie that Alicia Silverstone has been in. And that is Batman one. and Robin. Batman I can't believe Robin. we didn't just watch Batman and Robin for this episode. Oh man. Oh, we've got to do an episode where we cover Batman and Robin now. Just like the whole like those four Batman <laughs> movies, like from Batman, Batman Returns, Batman Forever, and Batman and Robin. They're all so good in such different ways. Like <laughs> Yeah. Oh, Batman and Robin is just... It's a, a special film. Special, <laughs> <laughs> special in its own way. Oh, man. Um, I just keep picturing every time Brent Corden walks in, it's it's his mom, but she's wearing a Batgirl suit. It would have been <laughs> so funny. Oh, that would have oh, been good so Lord. Good. Great, great stuff. There are so many things you could do with King Cobra, honestly. Like, half of the cast could be swapped out. Like, I mean, we haven't even mentioned, like, swapping out the lead, Garrett Clayton, with his character from Teen Beach Movie, <laughs> who, like, every time somebody would have been like, oh, now take off your pants to do this, he would have been like, well, golly gee, boys! Like, <laughs> Was that his character in that one? Well, it's from the 50s. Uh, uh, so he would have been, like, this, like, 50s, like, guy with, like, slicked over hair, like dancing the rockabilly or whatever and like and just been like oh oh no i can't do that um (laughs) so but then he probably would have been like really into it if you just like got him worked up so it's fine but um, it was quite the cast in that movie definitely lots of um ripe for this sort of game yeah um there's definitely a few we could do with christian slater as well um I thought like um what if that was it what if it was his character from True Romance um <laughs> and like just the absolute brutality of everything he goes through especially if you um watch the um I guess the screenwriter's cut the director's cut whatever it is the version where Alabama dies um he's just so traumatized by losing the love of his life he decides to go gay and start making gay porn films um (laughs) and it works for him because he's so um he's so obsessed with cinema that uh that he has enough of a background to do that (laughs) i mean it could work that I yeah. <laughs> I think it would make sense, honestly. Somehow. I think uh, <laughs> I just Christian Slater. Um <laughs> I think they should replace him with his character in Heathers because then he would have just killed the like James Franco and Keegan Allen or whatever the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> Like, as soon as he met with him, he would have just been like, no, I'm over this. And he would have just shot them and been like, all right, lighting a cigarette, having a good day. Yeah. See you next time. Like, I'm just um, going to kill these guys because it yeah. seems fun. 
And then he would have gone and had sex with somebody because that's what JD did in Heather's, right? Um, yeah. So. Yeah, he, he, that character would have uh, stood much better chance of surviving that film. Just, yeah, vastly superior, superior odds. But yeah. instead, he was stuck with whatever character he was. Yeah. On the other hand, uh, his character from Interview with a Vampire would not have fared very well either. And that one um, no, would have been equally bad in a similar way to um, his desire to be wanted in King Cobra. He also um, wants uh, to be desired very badly in an interview with a vampire and ends up um, begging to be made a vampire and just gets um, killed instead. Yeah. Like he is in this movie. So yeah. In in this movie, he'd be uh, he'd be just pretty much the same, asking to be desired, and then just yep. get killed. Yep, yep. <laughs> Not much of a difference. No, um, would have been basically the same character. What about Boy Erase? Do we have any any for that? Any swaps okay. for Boy Erase? Good um, uh, character so swaps. I think about Nicole Kidman. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think there's some fun things that could happen there. Uh, uh, I like the idea of swapping her with her character from the Paperboy. Um, <laughs> okay, what, what, she what's that? So the Paperboy is like a six-year-old film um, where she plays basically just like this trashy southern blonde woman. Um, so it's sort of like the same character she plays in Boy Erased, except like trashy. You know, she has like this the similar sensibility and everything. Um, mm. But she's much trashier you know and in boy race she's obviously like comes from this world where you have to like keep things like closed chested like you are you're gonna be like proper etc etc um in the paper boy she does not have that mentality um (laughs) (laughs) she at one point in that movie urinates on a zach efron um so back to zach efron yeah i mean you you always come back to Zac Efron. Um, I think replacing the mom and boy raced with the with Nicole Kidman's character in the Paperboy would only yield great results. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she shows up to the pray the gay away camp facility and just like I don't know pees on Joel Edgerton, right? <laughs> to assert uh, dominance. <laughs> Isn't that what P's about? Um, yeah. So <laughs> I think it could be a blast, personally. Yeah. Alternately, on the other end of the spectrum, you could replace her with her character from Eyes Wide Shut, and then God only knows what would happen. Um, Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Like some weird, like masked sex orgy at the at the gay pray the gay away camp. So um, I mean, they're both cults. So it, they're both cults. Yeah. Um, fits maybe i don't know it sort of like makes sense that her character would show up there although presumably her character would not be pro even in even in eyes wide shut would not be pro pray the gateway camp she'd be like "Uh, i don't know what's going on here yeah but i think only if you replaced her with her character from the golden compass um oh where uh she's basically the villain in that movie um in favor of separating uh, the children from their demons. Um, it's sort of similar to uh, praying the gay away in a way. 
It is. Yeah, I think you're yeah. right. And that one, she'd just show up and be like, yeah, this is great. How can we make <laughs> it more painful? <laughs> yeah, and one more. Um, if uh, Russell Crowe from that movie was replaced with um, his character Noah from the Darren Aronofsky movie Noah, uh, it'd be kind of the same. You know, he'd be like very religious, always like, forcing his family into uh, like following along with his beliefs. Yeah. Um, ex- except um, this time they'd be praying away the gay on a ship that was sinking in like a giant deluge storm. <laughs> oh, oh. And that is in another world. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, maybe we'll see more of this in the future. Who knows? Yeah, we'll see what happens. Seems kind of fun. Yeah. So, um, just wrapping up for tonight. Um, got any any news from the movie world these days? Nothing too crazy this week. Um, I thought it was a kind of slow week. We do have um some news about the Candyman reboot was announced. Uh, Jordan Peele will be writing it. Uh, for those of you who don't know, he wrote Get Out um yeah. directed it as well um so that's pretty exciting news and uh nia DaCosta will be directing it uh that's great you know it's a a largely black crew there which is awesome for a movie like Candyman in particular yeah um, you need that for Candyman. absolutely um so that's really exciting it's exciting to see the Candyman. it's being billed as i think the complicated part here is it's being re it's being billed as sort of a remake but sort of a reboot but sort of a sequel um so I'm I'm intrigued as to what that actually all means, um, yeah. but it is also complicated. Um, right, <laughs> news is leaning a little more towards it being a sequel, which would be um, pretty interesting because it's been quite a while since the original Candyman. There also um, is a sequel; it exists. Yeah. Um. So, uh. So I am. Yeah. I have no idea really what plot wise I should expect. Um. Mm-hmm. But I am excited. You know. Yeah, it'll be interesting. In general, especially with Jordan with the, Peele the crew on now. Yeah, yeah, it's gotta um, be good. Yeah. So uh, that's one of my big movie movie news pieces of the week. You know, um, we started getting our first reviews for Aquaman and the new animated Spider-Man movie. Both are looking pretty good. Um, yeah, and that's Ooh, kind boy. of surprising and exciting. <laughs> I thought the new Spider-Man animated film uh, Into the Spider-Verse would be good. Uh, but it's nice to see it actually have that reception. Um, Aquaman legitimately shocked me. So yeah, um, <laughs> James Wan. James Wan can direct a quality movie. Um, you're right. You're right. I shouldn't doubt him. Spite of being given such an absurd property to work with. Yeah. Um, and in spite of how goofy the trailers have been looking. Yes. Uh, I'm still holding out hope for it to be pretty good, and the reviews do seem to be. Um, pretty favorable okay yeah yeah redheads gotta love them (laughs) oh no (laughs) oh don't do it you don't have to (laughs) um (laughs) otherwise uh i don't know um nothing crazy happened this week um we sort of low-key kicked off award season with the gotham awards uh stuff like Mm -hmm. that uh tony collette took home the best actress award basically um 
which is exciting. Yeah. That's a win for a horror film, Hereditary. Uh, but in general, you know, nothing too shocking there. Um, and all it means really is that we're like starting to ease our way into award season, uh, which is going to be very stressful for us, I am assuming. So, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm getting geared up for it already. I don't know if I'm going to be able to see all the Oscar nominees this year like I did last year, but uh, I'm definitely going to try to see a good portion of them. Yeah, same here. I'm planning to see a, as many as I can. Yeah, it's always a very busy time of year. It but is. Uh, yeah. it's fun. It's exciting. Yes. We're going to see a lot of good movies. Yes. Well, that's about all the movie news we've got for now. Um one thing we're considering doing in the future after uh, all this porn talk tonight, uh, we might <laughs> want to see um, what other, since we saw Sean Lockhart um, does show up in some actual Hollywood movies like Milk, um, what other movies do uh, porn stars show up in uh, mm. for like real Hollywood pictures? Um, so we might try to do like a little retrospective on that at some point. Yeah. Uh, just some of the look forward to in the future right so keep apprised of that um as for um what we're going to see this weekend there's not a lot that's coming out uh this weekend no at least um we might be trying to catch up on stuff that came out the last couple weeks because we're kind of a little behind right yeah i'm not there's nothing like super exciting opening this weekend for me um so I'll try to, like you said, get caught up, but otherwise I'm not sure what will happen. Yeah. Um, personally, I'm thinking of checking out Robin Hood um, because, okay. um, first of all, just it seems like just such a strange movie. It's mm-hmm. like Robin Hood, but with like kind of a modern flair, but still set in merry old England. Um, <laughs> and it... Um, what intrigues me most, which is kind of counterintuitive, is it is getting terrible reviews right now, and it is right. absolutely bombing at the box office. And um, like, I just got to see it for myself, you know. Like, yeah. I, it's this sort of thing where, like, if a movie does really well or really badly, either way, I'm like, I have to see it. <laughs> I have to see what's <laughs> going on. Like, what are people responding to? Oh. Um, so I'll probably check that out, and also. Um, I think I'll probably see uh, Ralph Breaks the Internet at some point. Nice. Maybe not this yeah. week, but at least next week. Uh, uh, God, uh, I don't know. I, I really think it could go either way in terms <laughs> of how good this could be. Uh, it it really seems like a movie that's trying to be about just about everything. Uh, it might have bitten off more than it can chew, but <laughs> we'll, we'll see. <laughs> Anything in particular you're trying to check out? This week? Um... Yeah, so I know I'm going to catch a, a screening of Anna and the Apocalypse this coming week. Uh, oh, yeah. I'm going to uh, uh, it's a screening at the AMC with a Q and A with some of the cast and crew. Um, so I'm excited about that. It'll be a good start to the holiday season. You know, it's a quote unquote Christmas movie. Uh, it's also a zombie horror and musical film. So I don't really know what to expect. Um, <laughs> Uh, but I also hope to check out the favorite this week. Um, that's the the other big one. So. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm gonna be seeing that coming up. Not this week, but I think the next week. 
Um, okay. I've already got my tickets for that one. We're seeing it at the uh, the Alamo Draft House uh, Sunday Tea Series, which nice. uh, should be quite interesting. They uh, they serve you uh, three different teas along with sandwiches and um, basic uh, tea foods, as well as seeing um, a, a movie that's well suited to a tea. So okay. uh, it should be a fun experience. I think that will be fun. Yeah. I've been to uh, a couple of those. Uh, I'm trying to think, Crimson. I know I saw Crimson Peak like that. Um, okay. And uh, Gosford Park is the other one. Yeah, both of those are really fun. So I'm looking forward to that. Nice. So that's what we have coming up. Probably going to be talking about those movies pretty soon. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, in the coming week or so, we will be able to talk about some of those. In the meantime, y'all should look us up on uh, Twitter. We are at Buzzed On Movies. Um, and rate and review us, please, in Apple iTunes podcasts. Ugh. Um, <laughs> rating us, you know, gives us a boost, but also just helps people find us. So um, if you like it, definitely rate and review us, please. Yeah. And if you don't, just keep your mouth shut. Uh... <laughs> no but um yeah come come talk to us on twitter let us know what you like let us know what you're seeing these days um just keep the conversation going and absolutely um, yeah and just keep getting out there keep seeing movies keep having fun and uh well as always we'll see you at the movies see you at the movies